glad to see everyone. And I know we have visitors in our, our midst, and we're really glad for your being here. And uh, we want to encourage you to come back at every opportunity you have. And I encourage our members to continue to do as you have been and make folks uh, feel welcome. And uh, so they'll want to come back and be with us. This morning we are closing out our third quarter, which is to be holy in my strength. The main theme passage has been from Isaiah, and what we've really been talking about <coughs> excuse me, is the idea of walking the highway of holiness uh, daily. And talking about the idea that there needs to be a consistent daily walk if we are going to progress toward God, if we're going to develop a relationship with God, if we're going to get closer to God. Now, I know oftentimes many people will say, I need to be closer to God, I need a better relationship with the Lord. They'll say things like that, but really perhaps not understand what that takes, what it really means to draw closer to God. So we've been talking about some of those things. And this morning, I'm just going to kind of review and wrap up some of the things that we've been saying during the quarter as we lead into the next quarter of being holy in my worship. So let's kind of emphasize some things we've looked at. You've seen this picture many times during this quarter. In fact, in the last two quarters. And really what I've tried to picture is the idea of reaching God. Man from way before... Uh, anyone knows how far back this idea went, but man has pictured God at the top of a mountain. We, even today, we may think of God out in space or something like that, but it's always that idea of out there or up there or something that is very difficult to reach. And so we picture ourselves maybe down here at the foot of the mountain, and God is way up there. And how do I bridge that gap and get to God? So this quarter we've emphasized the idea of being holy in my strength. I have strengths, and I need to acknowledge them, and I need to understand that it is not necessarily that my life is a train wreck. Now, maybe sometimes I feel like that, and I I look at my life, and I look at where I am, and I say, you know, I'm way down here, and God is way up there. But I need to focus on my strength. I need to look at what I have. In fact, I need to acknowledge that I have what it takes to reach God. And so we've been talking about that idea of walking the highway of holiness, of doing that daily. I'm not going to turn back and read Isaiah 34, but if you were to look at that passage starting at the very end of chapter 34 and going into chapter 35, and I will summarize it. If you look at that passage, the Bible will tell you to seek the Lord and to seek the Lord by the book. That is, to look in the Word of God, to find Him there. Not maybe all the preconceived ideas that we have of God. I thought it was interesting when I first began studying and when I was converted and became a Christian. And I've told you many times that that I had been part of a denomination at a younger age. I'd lost my faith. Um, We'll go into that story. But I had really lost my faith. And yet when I really began studying the Bible, it was totally different because the denomination I was part of was built on emotion. It was based on emotion, what you feel in your heart, what you believe God is saying to you, and that kind of thing, as opposed to what I believe God teaches us, and we could see it in Isaiah 34, 16. Seek the Lord, but find Him in the book, in His Word. Listen to what He has said, what He has recorded for us. Look for Him, find Him, find the way, find the direction. 
When we start talking about going down a highway to reach something, we want proper directions. Now, in the old days, we'd pull out an atlas or a map. You guys will pull up your smartphones or whatever. You'll turn on the GPS. You'll find the directions. You'll listen to what is being said when that annoying woman tells you which way to turn and so forth. You will listen to that and follow the directions to reach your destination. It's no different with the Bible. The Bible is telling us, here are the directions, here is how you find me, God is saying, follow the directions. And so we've emphasized that, because Christians want a close relationship with God. The strong person wants that close relationship, but he or she often recognizes that there is separation. I don't care how strong you are. And when I look at myself literally in the mirror, or certainly proverbially in the mirror, when I look at myself, I know there is separation. I am not as close to God as I need to be. I may be a lot closer than I was 40 years ago. But I'm not as close to God as I need to be. I'm not at the top of the mountain. Or to quote Paul in Philippians 3, I have not already yet attained. I'm not there. So I recognize separation from Him. And that can be due to a number of things. Burdens. I'll mention that later in the lesson. But it can be due to personal weakness. And, and the need to acknowledge that. You know, I am weak in this area. I am subject to the same feelings other people have. We were talking about downstairs this morning. I've been asked the question over the years. You know, you're a preacher. Do you feel such and such, so and so that I feel? Are you tempted in such a way? I'm like, of course. I'm a human being. I feel what you feel. I think what you think. I'm tempted just like you are tempted. Even the Lord was tempted in all points like his we. So I have to acknowledge my personal weakness. And if there's sin in my life, I have to face that. I have to look in the mirror and see myself and see that sin. But those are the things that separate me from God. The Bible teaches us that in Isaiah as well. The strong, however, the person who is holy in his strength. If a person is strong, he knows it takes an orderly walk, a daily walk, if he's going to climb the mountain. Now let's pursue that idea. Because the journey of a thousand miles, and you've seen me quote this many times, the journey of a thousand miles begins with one step. I asked the question again in the bulletin, how do I need to view the climb up the mountain? I need to see it as one step at a time. Not the great distance, because that's what we do too often. How far away from God I am. How far above me God is. How much higher the standard of life is that I'm living right now. No, I need to see it as one step at a time. Because one step that I take, every step I take, draws me closer to God. We sing that. And it is so true. Be holy in my strength. You know, the most important thing, I believe this, and I have believed it since I started preaching and started living the life of a Christian. The most important thing necessary to reach God at the top of the mountain is to never stop climbing. I'm convinced that the people who make it in the end are not the people necessarily that you could pull out and say they're better than everybody else. And I think that's the way too many people view it. That person is the best. That person is better. If judgment begins at the house of God, and let's make it literal, Jesus is going to walk into this place and he's going to single out those who are going to make it as versus those who are not. I think a lot of people picture it as Jesus would walk around the room and he would say, 
you're better than everybody else here, and you're better than everybody else here, and you're the best of anybody in this room. You three make it, and everybody else doesn't. I'm convinced that is not how judgment takes place. Now, judgment, I believe, because we see the word so many times. I challenge you to go home and find where God ever says that you make it because you're better than everybody else. Find those verses in the New Testament. Find those verses in the Bible. Or find the verses that talk about perseverance. Talk about never giving up. Talk about stumbling, but you don't stop. Talking about falling, but you're still climbing. Find those verses, and you'll find the ones who make it. The most important thing necessary to reach the top of the mountain is to never stop climbing, walking it daily. Because in my weakness, and we all have that, I can do less and settle for that. And so many people do, and you've seen me say that before, but that's so true. I can look at myself and I can say, you know, I'm only human, I'm this, I'm that, and I'll just settle for that. I'm not worse than anybody else, you know, etc., etc., etc. I can do less and settle for that, and I can live a life of futility. Struggling and feeling the struggle. Sometimes even hating myself because I'm not what I need to be. But never becoming more holy. That's what this year is about. Not settling. Not saying it's enough to be whatever it is that I am at this point. But I want to be different than that. That's what holiness is. I want to be separated unto God. I can acknowledge my weakness, my inability to climb the holy mountain, and I can quit trying because I'm not strong enough. And so many people do. They give up. They fail. Have you ever, and I know you have, all of us that have been a Christian for any length of time, have you ever been amazed at the individual that perhaps came to church forever? They were here. Perhaps every time the doors opened, they were here. And they were a Christian, sitting here, being here, for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. Perhaps they did so many things. We saw them up front, if they were a man, doing these various things that the men have led us in this morning. We maybe even saw them preaching. Maybe sometimes we saw them serving as an elder. Or we saw that woman who was so strong, we thought who was always there with an encouragement, always helping out someone, and then they reach an elderly age and quit. And you're amazed by that. How could so-and-so do all of these things and stop? And you know the answer to that? Because they never were climbing the mountain. They were just stumbling and falling at the bottom of it, and we didn't know that. Oh, they looked like they were fine. They stood proud and cleaned themselves up, and everybody saw it as that, but they weren't climbing the mountain. They had long ago acknowledged they weren't strong enough to get up the mountain. Some of them even said, and I, you know, I don't know if you've ever known anyone, I don't know if you've ever been like this in your mind, but listen carefully to this. Some of them even said, I know I'll never make it to heaven, but I want to help somebody else make it. Some of them were in that position. But finally, they just quit. Because it was futile. There was no point in trying to act like they were climbing the mountain any longer. Now, we can do that. Or, we can begin a process, and that's what it is, 
a process of becoming stronger and climbing the mountain. Let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. I put up this little guy for a long time now, ever since we were talking about the man in the mirror. And I picture this guy. I picture me standing in front of a mirror looking at myself. I've told you that I often literally do that. And the things that I say to myself, I need a plan. I don't want to just flounder at the bottom of the mountain. I don't want to be one of those people who goes through 20, 30, 40, 50 years and finally just gives up because the struggle is too hard. I need a plan. You may remember that I quoted Matthew Childs. Matthew Childs is a successful mountain climber, something about which I know nothing. I don't climb mountains, but I would never try to climb a literal mountain. But after 30 years of successfully climbing some of the biggest and greatest, tallest mountains in the world, he developed a simple list. Let's run through them again and remind ourselves of the rules. Rule number one, don't let go. (laughs) And that was the idea of wherever you are, don't quit, don't let go. Take the next step. Rule number two, hesitation is bad. He talked about the idea of you have momentum, wherever it is. No matter where you are in your climb, there is some momentum. Keep up the momentum. Take that next step. Don't hesitate. Rule number three, have a plan. A plan is so important. And he talked about the idea of climbing a great mountain and the fact that you needed to map out every step of the entire climb. And I found that very interesting if you apply that spiritually because that's exactly the idea. I want to get to God. I don't want to just be this or be that in my life. Just stop this or stop that in my life. I want to get to God. And if I'm going to get to God, I need to map out the climb. I need goals in my life, etc., etc. Rule number four, execute every opportunity to move forward. And I applied that spiritually. He talked about a number of things you would do to prepare, you know, such as, you know, all the weightlifting, etc., and all those things you do. But as a Christian, I need to take advantage of every opportunity. We have all kinds of opportunities here to do things, to be part of things, to take part in things. Things that make you stronger, things that help you, things that bring you together with other Christians so you can share things. You know, things... Uh, situations in which you can talk about the very things we're talking about this morning. We have those, and we need to take advantage of them. Every opportunity in my life to move forward, to get better, get stronger, I need to take advantage of that. Rule number five, and I need to know how to rest. You know, you can burn yourself out. And you can wear yourself out if you are not moving in that orderly fashion. And think about it for a moment. Have you ever known anyone, have you ever been the kind of Christian who hits it as hard as it can be hit for three weeks? And then you stop for six. And then you get disgusted and you hit it hard! And then you stop. You know, you wear yourself out doing that. It's kind of like the guy who's going to lift weights. And I've lifted weights. I did a lot of that in the past. And boy, am I trying to do that again, you know. And it's tough. But I remember what that was like, you know. You, you're going to lift weights. I'm going to, I'm going to be able to bench 250 pounds again. So what do I do? I go in the weight room. I put 250 pounds on the bar. I lay down there and be prepared to stick it up in the air. Guess what ain't happening? You know? It doesn't work that way. 
No, I need an orderly plan to get back to where I need to be, to get in shape so that I can bench press or leg press or whatever it is I'm trying to do. I need a plan, and I need to do it in such a fashion where I know how to rest. The most successful weightlifting that ever takes place are those reps, and a lot of you guys know exactly what I'm talking about. And there is a time to put the bar down and rest, because your body has to have that in order to lift up more and stick it in the air. That's the way it works. Relax. Refocus. You need that time. And we're not talking about stopping. We're not talking about quitting here. We're talking about a time of refocusing. Rule number six, fear stinks. Quit looking at the top of the mountain and how far it is up there and getting afraid and saying to yourself, I can't do it. Fear stinks, child says. Acknowledge that you are afraid, acknowledge really what you have to do, but stay focused one step at a time. And finally, learn how to let go. And he's not talking about letting go, you know, you're on the side of the mountain and I give up and quit. He's not talking about that. He's talking about letting go of anything that obstructs the climb. When you take a wrong step as a mountain climber and you know that, you know you have to back step and let go of that wrong move or you're dead. That's it. You're not making it. And the same is true in Christianity. Let go of anything that keeps you from climbing up the mountain. Person might say, but I keep falling. That's what I seem to do. That's all that my life seems to entail is that I keep falling. I want to talk about this again just for a second. Because I'm convinced that we view falling in all the wrong ways. We view falling as just that. I failed. And I think back to some of the things that I've done in life and done successfully. When I've achieved what I was trying to do. And in every situation, it involved a whole lot of, quote, unquote, failure. And that can be anything. It can be, you know, that move you're trying to make in martial arts. It can be riding a bicycle. It can be, you know, trying to ride a horse, or whatever it might be. But if you're going to do something successfully, it takes a lot of failure. So the humble admission is that you do keep falling. There's no need to try to lie to yourself and say, I will never fail, because you're going to. I never fall, I never stumble, I never quit. Because you do. Because that's life. But the genuine remorse, the guilt you have over it. Now, you can go on a guilt trip. And that's a whole different study, and we're not talking about that. But being genuinely sorry for what you've done, that's a great mark of strength. You know, that's a a great step to take toward changing things. I really care that I did that thing. I really care that I messed up. It really bothers me. It doesn't bother everybody, you know? And that's the difference. That's the holy individual what they feel about the mistakes they make. I really care the remorse you feel. But the will to get up, the will to say, I won't lay here and wallow in it, and I won't listen to Satan tell me that I'm not good enough and I never will be good enough because I failed. No. The will to say no, to get up, to go on, is a mark of great strength. And that's why... Paul would say, forgetting those things that are behind me. Have you really stopped to think about 
what Paul had to put behind him? Do you realize that Paul was looking forward to going to paradise, to meeting people he personally killed? Or that he drug away from their families, fathers, mothers, children, and put in prison? That Paul was going to a place and facing who knows how many people whose lives he destroyed? Paul had to put that behind him. But it wasn't just that. Have you ever thought about how poor Paul was and how much Paul suffered because Paul had chosen to give up a place in this life, prestige, honor, money, to be what he was. And he had to put that behind him. And I mean completely put that behind him so that he never again, when he faced some hardship, said, I didn't have to go through this. I could have had that if I had not become a Christian. How many things that man had to put behind him to be what he was in the end? Forgetting those things that are behind him. I press on. That's why Proverbs 24 and verse 16 is so important. A righteous man falls. That's what he does. If you want to look at a righteous person's life, maybe we get in our minds, you know, when someone is righteous, when they're strong, when they're holy, they never make mistakes. That's a lie. No, they fall. That's the way God describes a righteous... Someone who is right falls seven times, which means they fall all the time. The word seven is a number for perfection, for completeness. When God looks at us, the righteous people, people, He sees people who fall. But you know what He sees? He sees people who rise up again. And that's the difference. It is not that I'm going to lay there. It is not that I'm going to wallow in it. It is not that I am not going to forget what is behind me. Because it is behind me. And I'm going to rise up again. Because a wicked man is the one who simply stumbles. And that's the end of the story. He fell down. He never got up. That's the wicked individual. And those are the only two categories of people that God ever describes. Understand that. There is not that mythical third category of people that never make a mistake. In 1 Peter 1, verses 3 through 7, we've read this passage and emphasized it, but it talks about God refining us through those weaknesses, through those times of failure. Like Precious gold. We've looked at 2 Corinthians 12, and I'm going to look at it again in the upcoming quarter. But the idea of when I am weak, then am I strong. That I come out of the weakness and I have strength. But we've also talked about through this quarter the fact that God sees us as weak, as strong. And I don't mean that he categorizes us that Michael is weak and this guy is strong. You know, I'm not saying that. No, but he looks at me as I am right now at this moment. Michael is struggling with a weakness. Michael is a strong individual. And that's how God sees me. But God deals with me in my weaknesses. He pulls out of me strengths that are there, perhaps that I don't even realize are there. And God brings me into and through weaknesses. You heard that correctly. God exposes those weaknesses by circumstances He will put me in. And God draws out of me the strength, not just to deal with it, not just to overcome it, 
but to, a, to be a better person because of it. And we've looked at individuals where God does that, where He deals with them in their weaknesses. His servants, Job we talked about. And on Sunday evenings we've been emphasizing Peter. And we look at people who were so strong, but who could be so much better. Now that's you. That's not just Job and Peter. It's all of us. And so God deals with us. And it is important that I see myself as that saint. Now, I want you to stop and think for a moment. How can a Peter or a Job and the mistakes they make, a Paul, a you, a me, how can such a person have the, the gall? And that's the way we feel sometimes. I would never look at myself in the mirror and say to myself, I am a saint. But you need that. Because we all need positive reinforcement. Let me just mention that for a moment. One of the greatest strengths that you have is acknowledging who you are and what you are. Of knowing about yourself that you really are a saint. A saint is a holy person. You really are different. And what makes you different? You know, saying to yourself the things that are true of you. That maybe Satan would not have you admit, surely... That other people perhaps would look at you and say, you're no saint. But God would say, yes, you are. Because you're different. What makes you different? That you're better? No, you're not better. I'm not better than anybody in this room. And I really don't care where you are in life, how you are living your life. I'm not better than you are. And the truth is, I don't inherently have more strength than you have. Or more ability to not make the mistakes you make. And you don't have more than I do. But I need to remind myself that the thing that is different about me is that I won't settle for it. Now maybe that means that I won't be as happy-go-lucky as some people will be at some times. Because I don't go out and party on a Friday night and get smashed out of my mind so that I don't think about it. I don't do that. And maybe while someone else is doing those things and not thinking about it, I am sitting there and I am thinking about it. But that's what makes me different. And maybe I get tired of that. Maybe I say to myself sometimes, I would like to just not think about it. I'd like to not worry about it. I'd like to not have it on my mind. I'd like to just forget this whole thing and take a break. Maybe I say that, and then I remind myself, no, I am a saint. There is something very important in psychology called operant conditioning. And what it boils down to is this, that I reinforce my commitment by reminding myself who I am. I remind myself, I meditate on who I am and what I am. I tell myself so that I move me in a positive direction. Listen to some of the Bible What the Bible says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. You can't read that without feeling something inside. You can't emphasize every phrase of that without making a renewed commitment. Or other passages, such as Acts 27 and verse 23, when Paul was struggling on a ship, having been in prison, wrongfully accused. 
And yet Jesus appeared to him and he acknowledged the angel of God and said, whose I am and whom I serve. No matter what, no matter the circumstances, I belong to Jesus Christ and I serve him. Or 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 10, by the grace of God, I am what I am. I look at myself, and I may want to talk about my circumstances of life. I might want to say it's not fair. I might want to say it shouldn't be this way. I might even want to say, God, you shouldn't treat me this way. God said, I have favored you with the life you have. I have given it. It is a blessing. By the grace of God, I am what I am, Paul said. Or Romans 1 and verse 16. I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God. To salvation, to everyone that believes. No matter who you are or where you come from, this is the answer. Read the book. Find the blessings of a holy life, as Isaiah says, in the book. Or we might look at Philippians 1 and verse 17. I am set for the defense of the gospel. I used to go into fights, and I had a lot of them. And I used to go into battles like that, and I would say to myself, I'm ready I'm ready, I can do this, and I would psych myself up, and even to the point of being willing to die. But you know, what I need to be set for is to stand up for this. To be willing to die if that's what it takes. But more than that, to be willing to live. I am set for the defense of the gospel through the life I live in this world. Or as Paul would go on to say, as we quote it, I put those things in the past, they're behind me. And I press on because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You, know, you can't read a, a set of passages like that and really think on it without coming away stronger than you were. Committed all over again to be something different and so many more we could have put up here. I have to remember who I am. When I look in the mirror, I should see a saint, a holy person. I should see someone who is spiritually alive, not dead. Someone that God is working with. I am a saint. And I should tell myself things that we've emphasized this, this quarter. I've, I've been holy since the day I was born again. The Holy Spirit set me apart in the body of Christ. And that's where I am. I'm a member of the Lord's church. My body is a temple. I'm not going to take it out here and trash it. It's a temple. It's where God lives. I am a saint. I'm sealed, marked by God for all to see. That is, for all in the heavens to see. When Satan looks at me, he sees a vessel of honor marked by God. And what that says loud and clear is, oh, there are certain things you can do. But beyond that, you can't touch him because God says so. And I need to understand that. I walk with Jesus Christ, and we, Jesus and me, are the light of the world. I need to positively say that and know that in my life. I am, not will be, I am a son, a child, an heir of glory. I've been accepted by God in Jesus Christ. I am favored by God every day of my life, and I am a glorious, holy individual. That's why I'm strong. The mountain with God at the top, and here I am. And you know, it is a daunting task to climb a mountain. No question about it. 
I can look how far God is up the mountain. I can see how far down here I am. And I can just say, man, I don't know if I can do this. Or I can make it impossible. And that's where so many people are. They make it an impossible task to to climb the mountain. Because they don't just climb, they climb with burdens. Burdens that are weighing them down. And that gap between them and God is impossible to bridge. And that's why God would finally tell us, and we've looked at it in Hebrews 12, the strong have to run the race lying before them with endurance, perseverance. But notice as the passage says, having laid aside every weight and the easily entangling sin, looking unto Jesus. That repairing, that adjusting, that mending, that restoring that needs to place. Because that weight, whether it's family problems, our financial problems, our personal problems, or whatever problems it is, and those sins, you know the sins I'm talking about, not the sin you committed once in your life and you put it behind you and you've never done it again. I'm talking about those sins you live. The sins that are easily entangling you, dragging you down every day. That weight, those sins can be like the weight of the world. Just keeping you from even looking up. And that's why I love this picture. Notice, the world is on his shoulders, is laying on his head, he's looking down, he cannot look up. And that's the way a lot of people are. And so God would finally say to us, casting all your care, all your burden, your worry, your anxiety on him. Because he cares about you. That's where I need to start. A person who can do that, and I would say it like this, if that's all you can do is get on your knees to God and do that, you are well on your way to being strong. Are you here this morning? And you haven't been able to do that. You're not a child of God, and you know you're not. You believe in Jesus, but you've never confessed that He is the Son of God and committed to that fact. Maybe you look at your life and you say, there's a lot that needs to change in my life, a whole lot. I need to repent. And maybe you don't know where to begin, but the Lord would tell you to begin by coming to Him and letting His blood wash your sins away. Be baptized. We have the water right behind us up here. Be baptized for forgiveness of your sins. Let the blood of Jesus wash your sins away. Maybe you look at your life and you say, well, I've done that. But I'm still at the bottom of the mountain. I'm still the guy with the burdens on my back. And I'm not making my way up the mountain. Start. Don't continue to just say, I can't make it. All of this is going against me. I can't get up the mountain. Take the step. If you need to come up this morning and say, I've got a lot of burdens in my life and I need to be forgiven. And I need the Lord to help me. Then do that. We'll pray together with you. If you need to just make a new commitment in your heart where you're sitting and and acknowledge to God that you are going to take that next step up the mountain, you're not quitting, then do that. That makes you strong. Quit telling yourself that you're too weak to make it up the mountain. Please come while we're standing.